welcome to another episode of Simon Says, Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. This is your host, Al Simon, with Sandler Training by Simon Inc. And we are a sales performance organization, but this radio show is all about our guests. We spotlight great local businesses on this show and their best practices. And our listeners, you need to listen carefully because you really might want to contact these folks not only uh, for their business practices, uh, but also uh, to do business with them, uh, because these are these these people are ninjas in the business world, and we've got a wide array. We got three guests today, a wide array of kinds of companies, and we're so excited. We've got David Affariot, who is the founder of Avid Vines, champagne company. So we'll start by drinking. Sure. All right, and then. And then, uh, and then we've got Mac, Mac Crager with Angel Oak Home Loans. So after we drink champagne, we'll go buy a house. That's right. Is that okay. And then we've got Glade Johnson uh, with Advantage Protective Services. So if anybody gets mad at us because we're drinking too much champagne, we'll bring in Glade's crew to clean up the mess. <laughs> Did I get all that right? You got it right. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So... Excellent. So again, uh, we're going to spotlight your businesses. We're going to talk about your best practices. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun doing this. At the end uh, of, of uh, our three guests sharing with us, I'm going to share a sales tip uh, with our audience as well, and that'll be today's show. All right, we ready to go? Sure. Okay, so let's start with David. Uh, David Affariot. He is the founder of Avid Vines LLC. That's right. You're in the champagne business. It's a good business to be in. I imagine. It's, yeah. I mean, it brings a smile to everyone's face when we talk about it. But uh, it's a passion, and it's uh, it's also now something that um, I can point to, and, and and that's growing. And so it's a it's it's a wonderful thing. It's a real miracle that the champagnes can get here the way they do. But uh, I started this company with the mission of bringing not just any champagne, but really special artisanal. Uh, owner, grower, and premier crew, high-quality champagnes to the country under climate-controlled conditions. Uh, one of the things that I based the company on was the fact that 95% of all the wine from Europe to the U.S. arrive in unrefrigerated containers when they cross the Atlantic. And what that means is that there are extreme temperature fluctuations that can happen. And that's why lots of wines from Europe are fortified for that bottle shock of going through temperature extremes that can be 30 degrees to the upside and 30 degrees to the downside with sulfites, with extra um, ingredients that don't relate to a very good experience, sometimes the day after, sometimes hours la after. And I okay. we started the company because I f started feeling the effects of drinking. You know, I love Bordeaux and California Reds as much as anyone else, but I started to have to prepare for an evening drinking those wines, either with some aspirin or lots of water. Right. When I drink these champagnes, there's no regrets the next day. And that's often one of the ways we kind of couch the benefits of the champagne. Yeah, you said it's really kind of all about the next day, right? Well, well the taste too, though, right? Of course, well, you yeah. enjoy these twice. You enjoy them once when you yeah. taste them, and yeah. secondly, the next day when you wake up with no regrets. Nice, nice. So how'd you get into this business? So I am French. I'm a French national, um, uh, but born and raised in the U.S. My, through my father, I'm French, and my children uh, have subsequently p passports to, you know, to the two countries. And it's Half my family lives in Nice, the area. Yes. So I've been to the country many times, and I've tried to instill the same culture into with my with my children, with my two girls. But we um, we were as a family in France last June. Very grateful and to, to be there, uh, visiting family, but then deciding for my parents' 49th uh, wedding anniversary. All right. Which is again a very special occasion. We were in the Champagne region, and 
rather than in addition to going to the traditional large houses that everyone that, that you know, the Veuve Clicquot, the Dom Perignon's, I decided to do some research and find what was a kind of growing uh, evolution in the Champagne region of these owner growers who weren't selling to the larger uh, Champagne houses, but holding back and creating their own labels. And they don't have the same production. They don't have the same huge homes, the galleries for you to kind of see how everything is made. They have their own smaller, more modest production facilities. And I expected to taste a hundred of these kinds of little producers before finding something that I might like to do, maybe in retirement. Uh, through the research with my family, we found this gentleman uh, whom I'm importing now on the second try. And so my parents have a great palate. They're the ones who've kind of instilled with me this, um, you know, an appreciation of vocabulary. And when we tasted it, I looked at them and like, is, is this as good as we, as we think it is? <laughs> they nodded an improvement. This is, this is pretty fabulous. And nice. uh, the gentleman uh, who makes the wine, his name is uh, Julien Tessier, and he's a fourth-generation winemaker. And when I asked him, have you ever exported to the U.S.? He said, no, I haven't yet. And I was like, well, here, I, <laughs> let's, let's, let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do it. And so we've been able to establish a wor- very I mean, wonderful relationship. His, he's the fourth generation, as I said, when we were at the vineyard. His son was in a big wheel running around the, you know, the, the vineyard, and you could see just you know, it, it, the fifth generation one day coming along and, and taking over the, uh, the, the process. But he's in his early 40s, I believe. He has a firm command of, of the harvest, and, which this year occurred on September 9th, um, and under beautiful conditions. Um, but good, bad, or whatever, he's, he's gone through several harvests now and, and has, his, uh, has made his imprint on the champagnes. And, they're exceptional to, to, to taste. Well, how did the idea of, of, of climate control come into play for you? Well, so when I started, so going to the business side for a little bit, I, I, you know, once I realized, my gosh, I want to do this, um, I had to create a business plan. And in doing so, I have a, a friend of mine who recommended a professor at the Georgia State University and who was for his executive MBA class collecting business plans. And this is right when I, this was June when I was there, and September, October, I was like, well, I've got a business plan, and I'd love to hand it over to the students. And he very appreciative. I was extremely grateful. And one of the more interesting things that the students went through, in addition to firming up like financial pro formas, was some interesting research on, uh, on a marketing basis, which was where in the country are people over-indexing in terms of search on Google, on Facebook, for the terms organic wine and organic champagne. And there were five states that came out of that research that over-indexed, that is, that more people are looking than, than elsewhere. Okay, that makes sense. And, f- and two of them, clearly you'll know, one's New York, one's California, third state was Oregon, and then the other two rounding <laughs> the top five were Tennessee and North Carolina. No kidding. And I was like, what? That is, what is, that's very unusual. Yes. Texas and Georgia wound up, you know, maybe seventh or eighth on that list. And I knew I wanted to import into Atlanta uh, because I, I live here and I have strong family ties also in Texas where my parents currently live now. But Tennessee and North Carolina were, uh, were quite a surprise. But it led me to believe that this, while I wanted to uh, bring in wines that used organic methods, I, I reaffirm the fact that I want to bring these into the U.S., into the southeast first, and into Georgia first, because Georgia has a, a, a growing culinary reputation for excellence, a growing number of James Beard award-winning chefs that are here in the city and are in the region doing excellent work. I've and heard that, yeah. Bringing a focus on natural ingredients, the, the ingredients that are farmed locally. And this is the same philosophy in terms of champagne, of bringing uh, locally sourced, beautifully you know, harvested uh, champagnes from premier crew from government designated areas of this is the best place to grow these grapes 
uh, and keeping it close rather than selling off the, the, the lot, the selling off the harvest to someone else to combine it with other regions of Champagne. This comes from specific, a very specific location. And that connection to the land is shared here in the South by the way of food and, and, and appreciation for uh, wines of that nature. And yeah. it all led me to believe that this is a great place to be bringing it first rather than to California or to New York. Um, and I think you know, Georgia and the Southeast deserve to have champagne here first that, doesn't, that isn't anywhere else. And so, so we're going to end the show early. We're all going to start imbibing in the bottles you brought, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. I it's wish I could share that experience. It's, it's radio. We can't share we, it with the other people. We can it. share <laughs> the sound. It's, I mean, there's nothing that will stop a conversation anywhere at a party or your Thanksgiving table than the, than the sound of a champagne you know, oh, a bottle man. going off. And, that is true. And everyone says, what? Everyone just does that pause, that pause that, yes. that speaks volumes. So are you saying that most champagne is not uh, imported in a climate-controlled environment? 5% is. And 5% so is. And so it's very okay. important for these champagnes that are, if you're going to appreciate at the margin the organic nature of these wines and what goes into them, or rather, frankly, what's kept out of them, um, and let's review. You know, these organic methods include no pesticides, no chemicals that are used in the process, no heavy machinery um, in, the, in the vineyards uh, during harvest. All of it is hand-picked. Um, and all of it is uh, done in a way that uh, keeps the wine uh, and impurities out, out of the process. Um, to go through all that work and to go through all of that special attention in making the wines, the last thing you'd want to do is shock them into temperature uh, extremes that, that can happen on, on the waters when it takes a week, 10 days to get, to get here. And these wines leave from the Port of Le Havre in France, and they make their way to New York, and then they arrive in Savannah, but they come into Savannah uh, and, then, um, and then come to you know, by the warehouse that's here in Atlanta and then get distributed to the rest of the country, to Texas and so forth. Okay. So by protecting this and keeping them under climate, under refrigerated containers, you and I, are when we taste this, these champagnes, are literally at the vineyard door because the product is as stable when it left as when we receive it. And that's... That's huge. And that's only 1 in 20. I mean, 5%. That's right. Wow. On top of that, then this is Premier Cru, which is even, there's Grand Cru, which is exceptionally uh, designated. There's Premier Cru, and then there's the rest of Champagne, where, which is quite large, the region, but where the rest of the Champagne can, uh, you know, can be labeled as Champagne. And so, as we all know, another lesson is that everything that isn't made in that region should, is called sparkling wine or a method, Champagne method, but not labeled as such as champagne okay i did not know that actually right so anybody you know and it's it's taken many years of 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 negotiations and but if it's called champagne it's from champagne if it's called champagne and it's elsewhere it's not supposed to be called champagne it's supposed to be called sparkling wine okay and, and most people now most producers in other parts of the world respect that yeah i mean that makes sense so what's your favorite in the portfolio oh so there are five that come th- that uh, that i import now and One's very price comparable to the Veuve Clicquot that you might see, but again, it is Premier Cru. It is uh, with, made with sustainable and organic methods, um, but it's uh, about the same price point that you would find Veuve Clicquot, maybe uh, maybe five or ten more. And then there's a uh, uh, the other four are a series of blends. Um, there's a beautiful rosé that we're actually looking at. That it's in a clear bottle, but the color is so red and so gorgeous. It is. Most rosés you might see on the shelf are a kind of orange color, a little pale. Sometimes they are actually hidden behind a green bottle, and therefore, hmm, what's it going to be until I pour it into a glass? But this is shockingly red. It's 100% Pinot Noir. And then there's a vintage uh, champagne that's really seen that's vintage 2012, um, which is super special. It has one-of-a-kind kind of uniqueness to it, and once it's gone, it's gone for that year. 
but um, mm. the rest are blends, which are often half of one year and a blend of aged reserves that the that Julien keeps you know on hand in order to maintain a kind of consistency. And there's a lot of notes in them, a lot of you know uh, that are well, they're beautiful. And here in Atlanta, I should say that. There's a growing number of retail locations and restaurants that are uh, bringing these champagnes to their menus and that you can find. The champagne is called André Tessier. That's the great-grandfather who started the, uh, the vineyard or the company, now led by Julien Tessier. It's, and Tessier is, I'm saying the French word, I don't really know how to say it otherwise, but it's T-I-X-I-E-R. T-I-X-I-E-R. And those, uh, the champagnes are now in uh, Canoe, the restaurant Canoe, oh. and as well as uh, H&F Bottle Shop. Okay. Just to name drop a few. There you go. Yeah. So, all right, so you sell to restaurants and you sell also individually? Well, I sell through a distributor. Okay. And in a three-tier state, there's the importer or winery, there's the distributor, and then there's the retail or restaurant location. And so... Our listeners, what's the best place they can find? They can find the, the, the champagnes uh, as distributed. My, uh, we're hand-to-hand in partnership with uh, Savannah Distributing, an excellent company and a great team who help bring the wines to these locations but uh, as i said you can now find them uh at h&f bottle shop cork and caps i believe in roswell okay and uh as i said R- canoe and uh, and some other restaurants that are that are coming online nice yeah all right but this isn't what you do full-time right you got other things that you do yeah i like to tell people that you know i don't play golf i do this instead of playing golf yeah right? the main focus is actually a, a wonderful company that uh, we've created and sustained for 17 years now that's called trade ideas in a vastly different industry it's uh, the mission of trade ideas is software that helps people trade on the stock market oh right and we use machine learning artificial intelligence to design algorithms um, that are maintained and, and selected and the ideas that come through that help our clients identify an opportunity spot a price target for that opportunity and a stop loss in case the idea fails right and with that kind of guardrails around the decision um, there's a lot less anxiety and especially in a, in a world of zero commissions that we live in now, it's easier to make a trade, but it's also easier to lose money. Uh, and so tools like ours become even more important, like trade ideas, because you want to make an informed decision that's, yeah. that's, that's backed by an enormous amount of processing, uh, big data processing that the artificial intelligence is able to do and then r- lay out as a recommendation. Excellent. Yeah. That's good stuff. You got two things going on that are really fun, huh? It's busy. Um, yeah. You know that's why you know I, I I can't do it alone. I rely on such an amazing team of, on on both ends for Avid Vines and for Trade Ideas. But uh, you know everyone needs a team of mentors. Everyone needs a team of um, people that are willing to um, add their talents to your passion to yeah. to the ultimate goal. And the goal for these companies are vastly different. But in the end, it all means you know uh, bringing you know. Making making people better off from where they started. There you go. I think that, that may be uh, the most helpful thing you've said for, so far for me personally. Uh, you know, so many of us, when we're entrepreneurs, small business owners, we tend to go it alone and you do our own thing. But we need ideas from others. We need good people around us. You'd be amazed at how many people will work for champagne. <laughs> it's like I don't have <laughs> any money work. at the moment, but revenue-wise, but you know, growing this, have some champagne. The the you know, I've had a team help me with the logo uh, for Avid Vines, yeah. which is avidvines.com, and the um, uh, and help with the the social media messaging. It's yeah. it, it's a it's a huge lift, but uh, wouldn't be able to do it without them. Yeah, well, this is uh, Al Simon with Sandler Training, and my show is Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X, and we've been talking to David Affariot, uh, the founder of Avid Vines. And, David, you mentioned quickly how to get a hold of you, but what's the best way for listeners to get a hold of you? 
The best way is to kind of follow along on Instagram, uh, where you can find us at avid underscore vines. But we uh, always will announce where we're uh, where we're now dis- where we where, where we appear um, through uh, through the Instagram. And you can also follow us on Facebook at avid vines, where you can learn about these organic methods and some of the trials and tribulations of uh, that what it takes to bring these champagnes to uh, to the U.S. Just Excellent. a quick aside, I, I had a uh, on the first pallet that came over, I lost about six or seven cases because of some over a speedy pallet uh, driver at one of the warehouses in uh, in France before it left for the U.S. who just hit the brakes and cases went flying off the oh. top of the pallet. And they took pictures and we had to go through insurance. But I'm like, it's you know, we call that the angel's share when, when it just doesn't reach anyone's lips but winds up on the floor like that. And the angel's share. Yeah. That's a good story. Keep that to a minimum. Great way to start. That's your first shipment. Awesome. Way to go. Well, David, it's been good having you with us. And uh, Thank you. And so our listeners, if you want to get a hold of David, Instagram, avid underscore vines would be a great way to do that super okay mac mac Kreger, uh, senior vice president and regional manager at angel oak home loans so we go from champagne to home loans we this show has variety huh <laughs> what do you think Hal, I appreciate you having me on, but I'd like to go back to David and talk more about alcohol and stock trading. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we could actually spend more time on that. In all seriousness, I appreciate you having me on and uh, highlighting uh, Angel Oak Home Loans. It's a great honor to be here. Well, excellent. I'm glad you are here. So home loans, you know, people, I mean, home loans, probably not a household name for people because they're, I mean, how many times people get a mortgage, right? So... Tell us about uh, Angel uh, Home Loans and, and how Angel Oak Home Loans and why, um, in particular, your business model is good for, for homeowners. I have an honor of being able to lead in, in my home state, in a state that I was born in, in a company that was started in Atlanta. It was. It was. And okay. it's the only fully integrated mortgage company in all the Southeast United States, meaning we securitize our own funds. We have over $11 billion dollars and securitized funds um, that we're able to create our own portfolio suite of products. So what makes us unique is not only do we offer traditional mortgage products, but we offer a suite of portfolio products that helps a non-traditional buyer, someone who has uh, events that may have taken them out of um, normal guidelines little bit uh, outside the lines. Yeah. And, um, Can you give us an example of that? Absolutely. Um, we have for like a self-employed buyer. Mm-hmm. It's been hard for years for self-employed buyers to uh, be able to purchase a home. And a lot of times someone who's self-employed uh, chooses to lighten their tax burden. So we've created products that uh, don't require things such as tax returns or pay stubs. Um, so we have a, a wide variety portfolio products that that help a non-traditional buyer that is that's pretty exciting actually thinking about that i mean so you must really have a following or or like a uh, that particular niche must really help you in terms of uh, finding people that you can help i think it's been one of the greatest areas of growth uh, within our industry and the fact that we are the um, front runner nationally for like a bank statement loan Um, someone who has uh, financially succeeded to a point where they want to purchase a home for their family, but they may not be able to provide uh, traditional things like tax returns or pay stubs, uh, but they can provide bank statements, and that allows them to be qualified and be able to come to become a proud homeowner. That's awesome. How long have you been doing this? 
Um, this is year number 16 for me. Is um, it? I came from a completely different industry. Yeah. And uh, as a leader in another industry, someone came to me and uh, told me that we needed a leader in the mortgage yeah. industry that cared uh-huh. about people. And um, so I was excited to join uh, years ago. Were you? Mm-hmm. So, David, you wanted, to, you wanted to make a comment? From an entrepreneur's point of view, I mean, I, I would imagine that those who are, find it difficult to find funding are, are, are the run the gamut, those who are, you know, um, who, can't, who are challenged financially, but then also those who are uh, starting a business, but perhaps in, in past have uh, gone through bankruptcy from starting a business or from uh, who are pouring all, a lot of their resources into their business. Um, do, do you run? Does it run the gamut as to what what percentage are? Are, are you asking if we can trade champagne for a loan? <laughs> Is that the question? We have a barter in progress. <laughs> no, have, it's happening right now. Yeah. David, that's actually a great uh, question because I feel like our portfolio suite of products primarily helps two groups of people: one, business owners um, who choose to lighten their tax burden um, and be able to provide bank statements uh, instead of traditional tax returns and pay stubs, but then also, I think you mentioned. You know, we went through, maybe y'all remember, a little bit of a hiccup um, a little about 10 years ago in our industry. And a little bit, yeah. All across the real estate industry that affected uh, uh, the entire country. And so I don't know anyone, including myself, that didn't have some bumps in the road getting through that process uh, that we all went through. Um, and anyone who has a bump or a challenge, uh, it's very important they know they can still get a home loan. And that's what these portfolio products are designed to do, is, is for some people to be a Band-Aid, an opportunity for financing for a couple of years till they get back on their feet or they get over that challenging situation in their life and they reestablish themselves. So I take a lot of pride in being able to help many uh, thousands of family members um, throughout our communities that need financing that maybe had a bump in the road or maybe have a non-traditional situation, uh, be able to afford and uh, move into a home and get set up again financially. That is amazing, actually. Now, that, now, you know, as David said, lots of different kinds of non-traditional buyers, probably. And you said yourself, ten years ago, there was this big hiccup in the industry, but today yeah, it's pretty much boom times, right? What, what, what's different about today, and how's the growth been at Angel Oak in the last couple years? Uh, as of yesterday, we hit $1 billion in closed loans for 2019, and we have never hit a billion in one year as a company. So it's time champagne. to open the champagne and go. celebrate. Yeah, yeah. We just popped one. Just there we go. Yes. Uh, we keep going That's back to that champagne. But it, $1 billion, so a huge accomplishment for That's us. That's excellent. Um, you know, I, I like to see us as a small company, the way that our culture is designed. Um, but I also see the huge sales numbers coming in. So I know that we are helping a significant number of people uh, throughout the Southeast and in the entire United States. Our growth has been built on people. Okay. Uh, great companies are built by great people. Yes, they are. And um, we were very fortunate uh, that the owners of the company invested into me and invested into other leaders and allow us to build our company operations first. Any great sales organization is first built operationally. That's the backbone of every company is the operation folks. Uh, this is your shout out. You're out there working hard <laughs> and, and supporting our sales folks and allow them to go uh, meet with clients and help people face to face. Our company was built uh, around great people. And you know, a philosophy I've always lived by is um, who you are matters more than what you do. Yes. Uh, both are important. Uh, what you do does matter. 
but who you are should always define what you do. And um, at Angel Oak Home Loans, the who is the most important thing. We're surrounded with great leadership um, and great managers and um, great salespeople, operations. That's allowed us to succeed and grow in the last two years. We've doubled in size. Have you really? And um, we've been able to do that uh, in a very comfortable manner uh, to where we have organically grown city by city, uh, hiring one person at a time. Uh, that kind of organic growth is the best way for a mortgage company to grow and never lose touch with the customer uh, that's applying for a loan. That's just, so this we're is really serious stuff. Could be, yeah, could be, you should be. I mean, well, first of all, doubling in that short a period of time usually means operational chaos. Hmm. All right, in, in businesses, they'll tell you that. You can't scale, most cases can't scale that quickly and still deliver quality, great customer service. How have you all been able to do it? Hire the right leaders. Just the right people. Yeah. yeah. So in every department, I feel like we've hired the right leader to grow a team. Uh, the owners of Angel Oak have invested a lot of time, energy, and money uh, into allowing us to hire the right people and to grow. It takes money and an investment to grow a great company. Uh, and they took a huge risk in um, the opportunity for us to grow. But the reason it's so passionate, uh, such a passionate thing for me to talk about our growth is we went from being an Atlanta-based company to all across the Southeast United States, um, from Texas all the way to the Carolinas. Did you? So these are communities that I get to get in a car, on a plane, and go visit. I get to meet people that we're influencing every day and communities we're influencing. So that's why growth matters, is because you're able to go into communities that may not have had a lender that could offer the products that we have, that we now do. So you can go to the smallest towns in South Georgia, or a, a large city like Orlando and see Angel Oak all over the place. Uh, and, and that really delights me because I, I know we're making a difference uh, in helping people with the largest transaction of their life. We cannot forget every time we sit in front of someone who's applied for a home loan, um, this is their mansion. Uh, this is their opportunity to do something for their family. Yeah, so with Probably their future as well, right? Pretty much, is. yeah. That's, that's great. With our licensed uh, mortgage advisors, uh, they're experts. They're going to take the time to make sure that they are putting our clients uh, in a program and a product that is good for them and their family to give them options and to quickly help them get to the closing table, which is what everybody wants yes, to do. Yes, yeah, quickly and with no glitches. That's Let's right. get to the closing table. So what's in the future for you and for Angel Oak Homes? I think the future for us holds continued growth. Our economy is in a great spot. The real estate market uh, mm -hmm. in the Southeast, Southeast United States uh, is in a great position to see growth. When you hire great people like we have and you have momentum, um, I think it's opportunity to step on the hammer and grow. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. Every day we go and meet with people uh, and we're always looking for the right professionals in the right areas to grow uh, so our territory can expand. Um, the sky's the limit for us, yeah. um, and the good news is we're building it one person at a time. Let me ask you about that um, before I let you go here, which is, you know, this is an, uh, a time of, of low unemployment. And so how do you find good people these days? I think your reputation speaks for itself. I think people are attracted uh, to people that are healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think when people look around, they see the healthy growth of our company. We're uh, uniquely positioned as a company that's doubled in the last two years. So I think our reputation has drawn and attracted people to us. 
And then once again, we talked about that organic growth. If you do the right thing every day, people notice. Yeah. And um, so it, it's exciting when people call you and want to have a conversation with you, and we're seeing that happen. So let me get this straight. You're hiring good people, and a lot of them are calling you. Absolutely. Sounds like a company that maybe our listeners might want to engage with, huh? Yeah, Um We take a lot of pride in what we do, and we want to make sure we help everyone have the opportunity to become a proud homeowner. So that's the website, right? That's the website. Angeloakhomeloans.com. Yes, sir. And this is, uh, this is uh, Matt Krager, as, uh, Senior Vice President, Regional Manager with Angel Oak Homes. Angel Oak Homes Loans. <laughs> I'm getting tongue-tied. But I appreciate you being with us, Mac. Thank you for that. And thank you especially for, for bringing your daughter Lily to, to be, and she won't talk, but, but she's got a beautiful Lily, smile. Lily, do you have anything to say? Okay. No, she's shaking her head. Like she says, you know, I have all this wisdom, but I'll wait till it's my own show That's to right. share it. That's, That's what right. she's saying. Yeah, thank this, you, Al. Yeah, th- thank you, Mac. This is Al Simon with Sandler Training, and the show is uh, Simon Says. Let's talk business on Business Radio X, and we've talked to David Affariot with Avid Vines. We've talked to Mac Kreger with Angel Oak Home Loans, and our third guest today, Glade Johnson with Advantage Protective Services, president of Advantage Protective Services. Welcome, Glade. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So uh, we, we have three very different businesses here and, and three very, very seasoned sales uh, or uh, business professionals with us. I always say sales professionals. It just comes <laughs> out of my head. Uh, so, 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 Glade, tell us about, uh, about Advantage Protective. Um, I've heard it said like boots on the ground type stuff. I mean, that's what you do, right? You protect yes. properties Correct. with guards, with, with people? Yes, and, and how long you been doing that? And tell us the story behind your company. Well, I started my career as an FBI agent. Uh, spent about ten years with the FBI, and then did you investigate uh, business radio acts before you? I did and this gig. It, it, yeah. it was uh, pretty serious. Uh, There's some problems there. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll <laughs> have an investigation further into that one. Yeah. And after that, I got involved in security. Uh, somehow, and uh, worked for two large national companies and uh, was brought to Atlanta by one of them. From where? From Utah. Okay. And then I decided after a time that the best thing that I wanted to do more than anything was have my own company. And so 15 years ago, I bought a small company, changed the name, and uh, we became Advantage Protective Services. And you love it, right? Well, you know, <laughs> owning your own business has highs and lows. Yes, so it does. So basically loved it, but you know, it, it, there certainly are challenges. Right, right. So, but, but your particular company, with your particular leadership, you have certain advantages over your competition. Tell us about that. Well, I think one of the advantages that we have over most of our competition is that we're smaller. Having worked for larger companies, I see the uh, drawbacks of having a large company and ha- needing to hire a great number of people to replace officers who have left, and someone is just sending them out wherever, and they're not necessarily matching skills with the post that they're going to. Mm-hmm. And I got frustrated with uh, sometimes not being able to make decisions that I wanted to make without going through several layers of uh, management above me. And so one of the uh, advantages of Advantage 
is that uh, we have a very short chain of command, and clients know that they can call me, and I stay in close contact with those clients, and if there's a, an issue, you know, I have a staff, but uh, a lot of times people call me directly, and that's fine, and, and we can, we're flexible, we can make changes, we can do things to um, um, meet particular client needs, such as the way they want their invoices, et cetera, and that to me, makes a difference, and I think to our clients makes a difference as well. Absolutely does. Yeah, when you have an active business owner, it changes the, the customer service picture completely. It does, and uh, we've had clients, uh, we've been in business 15 years, we've had clients f- for as long as the last 14 years, so we, have you. we keep them, and uh, they, uh, they know they can call me anytime, day or night, and they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Mostly but, at night. Right? <laughs> Sometimes at night, yes. So what kind of what kinds of organizations are your clients? Tell, tell us, give us some examples. Well, it's pretty varied. We don't do any un, uh, any armed work. We're only unarmed security officers. Okay. Uh, we provide security at warehouses and distribution centers, at gated communities, at hotels. Oh, it is wide-ranging. It, it's yeah. pretty wide-ranging. And, yeah. and the skills for those various locations are very different in terms of what we uh, need to provide in the security officer. I'll bet. So in this age of low unemployment, how do you find good people? Very tough. It is very hard to find good people right now. We hire people that we think are good people and they sometimes don't show up for work. Yeah. Sometimes they last a week or two and just decide they don't want to work. It, it's It's hard, but we keep screening. Uh, the other day we invited 40 people to respond to our ad and about seven or eight did and we hired one. So there's a lot of screening that goes on in order to find good people. Well that, that's a that's a ratio that makes a lot of sense in your industry though when you think about it. I think. Anyway. Yes. Being picky about who you hire. You, you just you have to be in our business because be, yeah. regardless of what I'm doing the security officers out on post, not necessarily. We'll have a uh, supervisor drop by and see them periodically, but they're out there on their own, and we have to trust them, and they have to do what uh, they're supposed to do. Yes. Okay. So you've got a staff that helps you with that. I do. Uh, a, a very um, dedicated staff. I think they all have accepted my approach to management, which uh, includes taking care of our officers. Sometimes officers will take advantage of that, but most officers just appreciate the fact that we take care of them. For instance, one of the things that we offer, uh, in fact, it happened just yesterday. One of my officers called and said she was in a financial bind. Payday is next week. She needed some money this week. We gave her an advance. Did you? Yes. And so it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, they really appreciate that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that they do, and it probably helps with retention of good people. Yes, and, and that's very important. I imagine, in your business, yeah. Okay. So you've been doing this for, what, would you say 15 years now? Well, with the uh, including the two companies I worked for before, it's more like 30 years. Okay, well, we won't talk about age okay. on this <laughs> show. <laughs> but uh, but you, you certainly know your stuff, uh, the background of the FBI working for two uh, large national 
uh, organizations in the security business and now having your own company for that long. And uh, I am sure that your customers uh, appreciate that experience and the business practices that you bring to them. All right, so you must keep your customers a long time? We try to keep them as long as we can, and, and we have a number of them who have been with us for many years. Like how long? Well, I would say besides the 14 year, there's one, two that are right behind them at about 13 years. Wow. Uh, we have several that are five years to 10 years. Isn't that, that unusual in your industry? Doesn't that usually it change is. more often? It, it is unusual. Uh, and one of the things I was told when I first got in this business was that I was a regional manager in the mountain states uh, for a company based in Oakland. And the president of the company said, when you go out and make sales calls, you can remember two things for sure. One is that before you went in, 10 other salespeople had been in before you, and after you leave, 10 more will be in behind you. So uh, it's, it's competitive, and yeah. uh, if you don't do a good job of minding your P's and Q's and crossing the T's and dotting the I's, someone will uh, come in and the client will be unhappy and you lose the account. Although that's not the only reason that a that, uh, company can lose an account, but you know, that's one that we don't want to have happen. Right. Yeah, there are lots of reasons why you might lose an account, but certainly by you, know, you messing up is not a good one. And the word gets out these days a lot easier. Yes, it does. Yeah. So uh, you're doing excellent work, uh, Glade, at Advantage Protective Services. How can our listeners uh, get a hold of you and your company? What's the best way? Well, our um, company telephone number is 770-544-0150. Okay, 770-544-0150. Yes. Okay. But uh, they're welcome to call me on my cell phone. I get lots of cell phone calls. And really? That's the best way to reach me because I may or may not be in the office. You know what you're asking here, right? You're yeah, gonna, it's going <laughs> to blow up on you. So I, I, That would be great. Okay, and that number is? 770 912 0840. 770-912-0840. That's correct. All right, you asked for it, Glade. Okay, well, I'll uh, take it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. So, Glade Johnson, uh, president of Advantage Protective Services, and if you have a facility uh, or uh, a neighborhood or anything that needs protection, uh, I think you're going to want to talk to Glade. So, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Today. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So, we have really had... Uh, Three varied uh, companies here uh, run by three very, very uh, capable people. And we appreciate you all being here, uh, David, Mac, and Glade. And uh, so we're going to conclude this, uh, this episode of Simon Says Let's Talk Business, uh, as we usually do, uh, with the uh, sales tip uh, of the month, I guess we can call it that. Uh, a listener asked me, what's one piece of advice you would give a salesman wanting to increase his or her close rate you know that's a that's an interesting question increasing close rate uh, is uh, one of the best ways of course to increase sales uh, and of course from a sales professional standpoint increase commissions and income uh, and and so there are several components that go into that uh, when we work with our clients but I've decided to talk about what I think is the number one way to increase close rates and that is to stop quoting or proposing to everybody who moves. Seriously, stop doing that. 
Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, David, you talked about being selective about the growers that you're working with, right? And Mac, you talked about being selective about the quality of people. And, uh, and, 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 and of course, Glad, you talked about the ratio of applicants down to hiring one person. Uh, being picky is huge. And, and I think that sales professionals tend to want to, uh, you know, put out a whole bunch of proposals. In fact, a lot of times when I'm talking to a prospective client, uh, and I asked them how they grade their salespeople, how they rate their salespeople. They, they say, well, they better have a bunch of proposals out on the street. And I can't think of a worse way <laughs> to, um, to measure the effectiveness of anybody in sales. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that when I sit down with a prospect and they say, I don't care how much you pay the officers, I just want to know what my bill rate is, then I know that's not a client for us. There you go. There we you don't, go. We don't go any further. Well, you know, there, uh, now... now to be fair, you know, buying on price or selling on price is a valid business model, right? But it's interesting, you know, those kinds of organizations don't typically uh, get help from us, right? <laughs> I mean, right. People that get help from us are folks that want to, uh, to sell because they have quality stuff and they want to sell it at a premium, and that makes perfect sense. Um, so most people, when they decide if someone is qualified to get their quote or proposal or presentation, whatever it looks like when they show their solution, most people uh, have a very subjective way of deciding if the prospect qualifies to get that proposal. Well, in our process, we help our clients to have a very objective way of doing that, very specific criteria to make sure that the prospect is qualified uh, to, to get a proposal. Uh, and you could substitute quote or demonstration or presentation depending on what world you're in. Uh, but here it is. First of all, they, the, the prospect must have enough what we call pain. In other words, they must have, have personal and compelling and emotional reasons to buy from you in the short term. Uh, the opposite of that is a phrase people already know, which is kicking tires. Right? If they're just kicking tires, they don't get a proposal. At least not now. Maybe later, but not now. The second criteria is they have to have it budgeted or it has to be fundable. If they're hoping that the price is low enough that they can fit it into their business model without budgeting for it, that's probably not a good candidate for you either, right? They have to be able, they have to, be able to pay uh, for what it is you're, that you're offering, whether it's a product or a service. Thirdly, they have to have a decision-making process uh, that you understand and are willing to go through. I mean, seriously, they have, I mean, you know, most of the time, Sales professionals who are winging it don't find out until way too late that this thing's got to go to committee or it's got to be it's got to go by the CFO or or, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get four more bids or whatever. And so they're forecasting it for this month and there's no way. Right. It's just not going to happen. So it has to have a particular decision making process that is objective. And fourth and final criteria is there must be an agreement from the prospective client that they will give you a decision within a reasonable period of time. And then that, that uh, period of time must be specified up front. So if it's going to be a couple of days, it's going to be a week, whatever it's going to be, anything longer than that, then I would suggest don't propose yet. But anyway, that's what we work on in our, you know, our company with our clients. We work on how to, how to make it so that the sales forecast is truly accurate. Because, Glade, if you're going to allocate resources or even have to hire uh, officers, uh, for because you got a client coming on, don't you want to know that the client's really going to come on and when they're going to come on? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you got to yes. know, right? And so, the sales process must be uh, must be good enough to be able to do that well. And that's today's uh, sales tip from Al Simon.
with Simon Says. Uh, let's talk business on Business Radio X. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you being on the, Thank on the you, show. Thank you, Thank yeah. you. Very good. And uh, so, like I always say, good selling. Thank you.